0: We are in uh, this thing we call the 100-day dare, and we've got four dares going on that I challenge people to be a part of. And then we're also reading the Bible together as one of those dares. We're reading the Bible, an overview of scripture, and I'm preaching on things we're getting ready to read. In fact, today I'm gonna be preaching on uh, our reading today out of Acts chapter 16. How many of you guys love a good story? Anybody love a good story? Let me just ask you a question real quick. And specifically, not to stereotype, but to stereotype. How how many of you guys, and I do mean guys, have done something that you know is stupid just to get a good story out of it? Let me just see where my people are at right there. Okay, yes. But do you realize that the reason why we do that, I think, is because God created us for story. God created for us to be living in a story God created for us to be a part of a story. We were in our D.A.R.E. group, which is our, uh, what our small groups, if you're newer around here, it's, we were in our D.A.R.E. group the other week and we found ourselves, back and I our, found ourselves, sharing stories of our near-death experiences. <laughs> Because we realized we have kind of kind of a few of them. I mean, like last year, last summer, we were, you know, face-to-face with a grizzly bear. That was interesting. And uh, But we were remembering a lot of these things. Um, you know, one time I jumped into, a in Honduras, I jumped into a flood stage rapids off a cliff to go after a teenager who was on a missions trip with us. And he went first. I was like, well, now I got to go. And so uh, that was interesting, the time when we almost drowned together in on another missions trip in Mexico on the ocean. This is like a theme of mission trips, but um, we almost drowned together in the ocean. Or the time that we we were in a crash going 70 miles an hour and a semi-truck hit us, crunched in our car completely, not a scratch on us though. And we were just thinking, right as we were talking about the purposes and plans of God for our life when we were engaged. And we were talking about those stories, not just we could say, hey, look at this. Look how cool this was or how bad this was. We were actually, like, realizing, wow, God really protected us time and time again, you know. We have these stories of God just, like, intervening in our life over and over and over again. And God created us for a story. And God created, can you imagine, those sitting around with some of the people in the Bible and the stories that they would have to tell? Like if you were just sitting around a campfire with the Apostle Paul, can you imagine one of his stories would be like? And he would just start telling stories like that. You know, like like what we're getting ready to read in the book of Acts, chapter sixteen. And just imagine sitting around with Paul, Apostle Paul, and you're sitting around the campfire, and he starts to say, "Hey guys, there's this one time when I was I was put in prison, and and my buddy Silas and I we were put in prison because we were preaching the gospel, and they put us in the like the dungeon part. I mean, it wasn't like the good part. It was like they put us in the inner stocks and they put chains on us and stuff. And guys, I'm telling you, it was about midnight. Can you just hear this story happening? It was about midnight. We were singing and we were worshiping God. And all, and you can find this in Acts chapter 16, by the way, you're gonna read it today. But it's like, man, all of the other prisoners they were hearing us sing. And they knew why we were there, but they were hearing us sing. And then it was about midnight, and the ground, like, started to shake. And it was an earthquake from God. God sent this earthquake, and all of a sudden, the doors in the prison, they just fell off. And the chains around everyone's hands, they came off. And everyone's, like, just sitting like, oh, my gosh, what happened? These guys are singing. The t- earthquake happened. The jailer, the jailer runs in, and he's getting ready to kill himself because he thinks that we're all getting ready to we've all gone. And in those times, you got to understand guys, in those times, if you let a prisoner go free under your watch, whatever happened was going to happen to the prisoner, now has to happen to you. And so he thought that he was I mean, he was getting ready to kill himself to save himself from it. But we're like, "No, no, no, stop. We're all here. We're all here." And then he falls down on his knees and he says, "Guys, what do I have to do to be saved?" Can you imagine sitting around that campfire? <laughs> See, we were created for stories. Paul was sent into a dark place because God had a story for him to live out. And there, there, you know that God is still sending people to places? You know, God is sending people. You know, some he, he sends across the world, but some he sends across the street. Some he sends, uh, you know, into a neighborhood. Some he sends into a, a war zone. Some he sends, you know, maybe into impoverished area where there's no resources, there's no food, but some of you he's gonna send into the grocery store this week to pray for somebody. God's still sending people. Sometimes you gotta enter into the mess, though, at times, right? To be a part of the story. Sometimes you have to go to the dark place, like Paul did, to be a part of the story. Anybody wanna see some more miracles like we talked about last week? Anybody, I just need to see your hands, okay? If you wanna see more miracles... See, everybody wants to see a miracle. Everybody here. man, we love to see miracles, but nobody wants a problem. <laughs> Do you realize that for a miracle to happen, there must first be a problem that exists? And, and very like everyone here wants to see miracles, but when was the last time you prayed for somebody with, you know, who was blind for their eyes to be open? How are we going to see if we do not step into the story? How are we going to see these miracles that we're talking about if we don't step into the mess at times? If we don't step into, if we don't take the risk at times? How are we going to be a part of that? See, God wants us to be a part of a story, but it's a story that's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. Here's what I want you to catch today. God didn't create you for the sidelines. He created you for the front lines. Is anybody getting this this morning? I feel like you guys still need to wake up, you know? Somebody brought in an energy drink today. I think we need energy drinks, spiritual energy drinks for everybody today, okay? (laughs) God didn't create you for the sidelines. He created you for the front lines. So I want to talk today about what it takes to move from inaction to action. What it takes to move from just being a dreamer and a talker to being a visionary and a doer. From being missing in action to being on mission with God. From being stuck to being sent, Because God didn't create you for the sidelines. He created you for the front lines. But God needs something from you in order to do that. And here's what God needs. Number one, God needs your yes. Every one of us has a yes on the inside of us. The question is, where is our yes going? Who is our yes going to? Because your yes is going to someone or somewhere, to something. But if you want to be a part of this, if you really are serious about seeing these things happen, then God needs your yes. It, you, you're gonna have to pull back your yes, maybe from somewhere else that you've deposited it and bring it back and say, God, I'm giving you my yes from now on. And, and this isn't just something I'm talking about or something I'm saying here at Journey Church. This is something God is doing in this season. This is something God is doing that's bigger than us. It's like I said, God wants you to be a part of a story that's bigger than you. It's bigger than Journey Church. This is something that's happening throughout our city That, you know, I talked about May 14th. There's something coming into Kansas City called the send. And it's actually to send people. This is something that's been prophesied and God has been speaking over and coming into Arrowhead Stadium. This is much bigger than just us, it's what he's doing. And it's not about an event. But I do just want you to know that there is something bigger going on in the body of Christ that God is stirring something. And, and so just to kind of help you catch a little bit of the background of this, let's take this uh, look at this video clip of what's coming in May 14th. There are moments in your life history where everything changes. This moment, December 2011, shifted my life forever. I was here in Kansas City, and these YWAM guys came into this very room right where I'm sitting right now. And they said, there's coming a shift to the call.
1: Lou's been filling stadiums for over a decade with prayer and fasting. But the word was about that transitioning to a, a message of the Great Commission, missions, mobilization, evangelism, signs, wonders, and miracles. And that day, it kicked something off. That culminated on February 23rd at The Send in Orlando, Florida.
0: Today we receive a shift into a new Jesus movement!
2: I believe in a bold and fearless generation coming forth. and You'll carry it
1: back to your cities and to your nations. We're not going to let it go for another generation. Do
2: it in our time. Do it in our day.
1: We stood there in awe as 58,000 people worshiping together and declaring that we are in a new era of missions and evangelism, declaring a war on inaction and that we would do whatever it costs to see the lost encounter Jesus and his love, whether it was our neighbors or the nations. And we walked away from Orlando with this conviction that this was not the culmination. In fact, this was just the beginning. Two, three. As we set our eyes on Kansas City, we realized that it is the convergence of three major storylines. 200,000 missionaries launching to the nations of Europe, 80 million salvations in America, a Jesus movement, and a million intercessors who would pray for a global harvest. And all of it happening in the very city where the original word for the sand was birthed. Could
0: we be in something that's way beyond all that we could think or imagine? I'm looking at this thing that is. We're coming into Kansas City, and I'm daring to believe a flashpoint where literally the prayer movement and the missions movement would be connected together right into this stadium. Everybody is called to do the work of missions and everybody's called to do a little bit of prayer. And the Lord has put the missions movement and the prayer movement together. He wants our partnership in prayer to go hand in hand with the release of greater power of the spirit in missions and outreach and ministry. And one of the goals to the send is to raise up 200,000 missionaries that would go to the ends of the earth. But it's also to raise up a million intercessors to pray for the missionaries that are going because the two must go together.
1: So we are calling for 70,000 to gather from Kansas City, every corner of America, and from the nations of the earth to Arrowhead Stadium, the loudest stadium in the world, to make the sound of ghosts so loud that a whole generation could hear it and would respond, first with their voices and with their entire lives.
0: Is anybody stirred up just a little bit? I just wanna know, okay? I want you to understand that God has you in this place, in this season, at the right time. Your destiny has a geography, and God placed you right here, right at this moment, to be a part of what God is doing, even in our city. And that is an amazing thing. But God needs your yes to be a part of it, because you can sit on the sidelines and watch all of it happen. Or you can say, God, you have my yes, and you can be moved to the front lines and be a part of it happening. Some of us, you might be in this place, and you say, but I gave God my yes, and I don't know what to do. I, I gave God my yes, and I, don't, I'm st- I still feel like I'm stuck. I, I don't know what to do. Here's what I want you to understand. I am going to talk about this today, that God guides as we move. See, sometimes you got to just start taking some steps and let God direct you. See, sometimes you got to just start moving, and then God begins to direct. We see this in Acts chapter 16, even, with uh, the apostles. These guys are apostles. These guys have seen miracles. These guys have seen Jesus. And watch what happens in Acts chapter 16. It says, as they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, And when they came to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So they went this way, they went that way. Then God gives Paul a vision. He goes down to to Troas, and, and when Paul had seen the vision in verse 10, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. These guys know how to hear the voice of God, right? They know how to follow Jesus, right? And yet if we saw somebody do this, we would think... They don't know what they're doing. We would think they're missing God. We would think they don't have a clue on how to follow God. But see, sometimes God just wants us to start moving. And as we move, he says, nope, not here. Nope, try over here, and then we'll try over here. And he wants us, why does he do that? Because he wants a relationship with us in real time. He doesn't want to just give us a blueprint for the rest of our life and check every single box and to never come back to him. He wants us to walk in step with him in real time, in communication with him, and God guides as we move. And so, if you're waiting for 100% confirmation of something in order to start stepping in. If you're waiting for 100% confirmation when God when you feel that nudge to be super generous, when you feel that nudge to serve, when you feel that nudge to lean in, you may never get 100% confirmation. You may just start have to start you just may start walking And God begins to guide. Do not be afraid to let God guide your path. Don't set a path and then like from there on out, that's all I'm going to do because I set the path and I felt like I heard from God. God leads you to a thing that leads you to a thing. God guides as you move. Now there's a tension in this point because some of us, we wanna just make things happen. And so we're like, all right, I'll just start doing things. I'll just start making things happen if God guides as we move. But listen, listen. There, you have to understand there's a tension in here because some of us, God is going to give or has given specific information and directions that we have not done yet. We've neglected the specific things to try to just do general things. We thought these things maybe don't matter and I don't really want to deal with it, so I'm going to make something happen. No, it, you've got to understand the hardest thing to do is not to act But when God gives you something specific, the hardest thing to do is not to act, but to act only on what God has said. See, when God has given you something specific to do, do not avoid the specific just to generalize what you want to do. No, if God has given a specific, lock into that, follow through with that, and then let God begin to guide you. You know, we talked about Naaman in the Old Testament a few weeks ago. And how he was, you know, he had leprosy, went to the prophet to get healed. And the prophet gave him specific instructions. Go dip in the river seven times. You know, so, you know, I always wondered, what if he stopped at six? Well, he was given something specific. He wouldn't have got his healing in in that story. Then I wondered, what if he dipped eight times? Would it have reversed his healing? I don't know, but... I know he was given something very specific. Some of us, God has given very specific things. Some of us know exactly what God has said and we're avoiding it. See, sometimes what happens is our actions or our inaction actually exposes what we truly believe because you know it's easy to say, oh, I wanna be a part of what God's doing. It's easy to say, oh, I'm willing to do the hard thing. It's easy to say, I will build my life upon what you want, God. But sometimes it's our action or our inaction that actually exposes what we really believe? Let me give you an example of this. Luke chapter nine, verse one. Jesus talking to his disciples, and he called the 12 together, and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. How many of you guys would be like, come on? Like, yeah, let's do this, right? This is awesome. And he sent them out. We're about being sent. Sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and heal. Yes, let's do this. I'm ready. God, you've got my Yes. Some of you guys are reading ahead, aren't you, right? <laughs> and it says this: but take nothing for your journey. no staff, no bag, nor bread, no money, just one set of clothes. Have you guys if God was saying like he puts out this call, hey guys, I want somebody to do something to go cast out demons, cure diseases, everybody's hands are going up and then you keep and don't take any like you put your hand down really quick, right like I That wasn't me. Here's what I want. Just put this in, in perspective. How would you respond if God told you, I want you to live the next season of your life with no money in the bank, no food in your pantry, no place to stay that's guaranteed, and one pair of clothes and just trust me for what happens next. See, a lot of us, we say we believe that God is our source. But see, our actions or inactions actually expose what we believe. How many of you guys have worried about paying the bills when you had money still in the bank? I have. I mean, that doesn't make logical sense. I already had the money, and I was still worried at times. But we say God is our source, and here God is like, he's telling them, don't take anything with you. See, our actions or inactions sometimes expose what we really believe. Many people say that they believe God is their source, but few of us would actually respond to that call, right? When was the last time you did something that required total faith? Like that required you that if God didn't come through, you had a problem, <laughs> right? You, something you could not accomplish on your own. See, here, here's what we have to understand. A lot of times people don't step out in faith because of this next thing that we don't really want to wrap our minds around, and it's this. God's provision is activated by faith steps first. This is usually how this happens. That God requires a faith step, then he provides. You know, we support a lot of missionaries around the world. And one of them is a ministry in Africa where they're, they're building a hospital. I got some good news for you. As Journey Church, we have been able to be provision for so many people across the world through your generous giving. We, we've been able to provide and we've been able to be someone else's miracle. Isn't that amazing when you can be somebody else's miracle? You don't just need a miracle, but you can be the miracle. We've had an opportunity to do that. So I'm gonna get, let them give you an update on that and then I'm gonna make a very important point. But here's an update of what we have been able to be a part of across the world. Let's watch.
2: Hi, my name is Rachel Cheney. This is my husband, Gary Cheney, and we're missionaries in Zambia, Africa. We have founded a ministry called All God's Children Zambia, and one of the things that we do there is that we're building a mission hospital. But we're here today to thank you, Journey Church, for your generous gift of $25,000 to the Mission Hospital. This will help us to complete the outpatient department so we can open it very soon. The things that this $25,000 is going to do is we're able to hook the water. It goes from the well all the way to the hospital, and we're going to have running water really soon. We're going to get an incinerator for biohazard. We're going to get shelves and cabinets, and the last thing that we'll use it for is for medicines and supplies and to operate the hospital. So the very last piece of this that we have to do is that we need to get a road. So I would just ask for prayers to get this road to the hospital so that we can hopefully open this um, hospital soon. The Marundu Mission
0: Hospital of Hope is a rural mission hospital located in Zambia, Africa. Uh, We have about 50,000 people that we serve um, in about six or seven large communities that surround the hospital. Um, We have a lot of health struggles that we deal with in the communities. And one of them is waterborne illness. Another um, that we deal with is malnutrition, HIV, AIDS, tuberculosis, and now we're dealing with COVID. Um, The services that will be available in the hospital are that we're building a one room ER, uh, pharmacy, uh, outpatient clinics. We'll have maternal child services we'll have labor and delivery we'll have a lab with x-ray and ultrasound
2: so the mission hospital is going to have a bigger broader community outreach than just the actual hospital we're going to be able to do a lot of things with it for one it's a christian mission so we have a chaplain there um, from samaritan's purse and we will have opportunity to spread the gospel with, with this hospital. There are many different things that we can do. We have a community nurse that goes out. We have a feeding program. We have, um, just different pieces of that. We also usually take on our mission trips. One of the things we do is we go out to like a very rural village, like somewhere where they can't even hardly get to our hospital. And we'll go out there and do a free medical clinic for them, which is an awesome experience. And so, and we also, the ministries that will, come out. We'll also will be able to identify people who are in very, very vulnerable situations, families, children who don't have basic needs. I know that Journey Church has two or three people that support a few of our families out there, and we thank you for that. There's a lot of opportunity to get involved, and then also we're excited because you guys are thinking about going on a mission trip. I think Journey is getting ready to plan one, and Journey has been, and when they came, they were able to do a medical Uh, outreach at that time and so and just so you know if you come on a mission trip you don't have to be medical there's opportunity for anything so again Journey Church thank thank you
0: give it up for that we were able to be a part of that miracle. Uh, we were able to, last year, we were able to bless a sister church of ours who was flooded. We, gave, we were able to give them $25,000. We uh, this past year, I think we gave over 200,000 meals away through our harvesters program that we have here. I mean, just over and over and over again. But here's what I want you to understand about that. Each one of these people, like the Cheneys, for example, they had to step out first. And then we got to be their provision. They had to go, and then God provided. See, the provision came after faith steps. What's faith? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, in the Amplified Version, says, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation. It's like a title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of the reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. It's saying that, Faith is like a title deed. So when I signed the contract on my house, I couldn't get in it yet. Like it was still, I hadn't closed on it, but I I had a signed copy, like a title deed of my house. How many of you guys know I owned the house, right? I owned the house. I couldn't get into it yet. I couldn't walk into it yet, but I owned the house. That title deed was proof that I owned the house. That's what faith is like. When you walk by faith, it's—it's it's, even though you haven't seen it with your senses yet, you know that it's yours. And so you begin to walk in it very, very confidently. So walking by faith means that our actions start lining up with what we say we believe, regardless of what our circumstances are. Let me say that again. Walking by faith means that our actions start lining up with our believing, regardless of circumstances. So when I signed the contract on my house, the most natural, logical thing to do next was to start packing my stuff. Why? Because I'm gonna put my stuff in my house very soon. Some of you need to start packing. If you got the title, start packing. That's what faith is, right? But what hinders our faith? What hinders our faith is when we get our act wrong. It's when we start acting wrong. Let me give you an example. The wrong way is this. We, let me give you three words, and here's how we get them in the wrong order at times. We have three words, act, believe, receive. This is the wrong order. This is where some people just try to make stuff happen, but they haven't heard a word from God, or they don't really have the faith behind it. They're just trying to make it happen in their own strength. And then they think, if I just act, and I just try to make something happen, then I'll believe something, and then I'll get what I need from God to be able to do it. So they got part of it right, like, I'm going to believe, then I'll receive. But we, we, st- we think, I'm just going to make something happen. And we end up falling on our face at times, or we get it wrong, or we wonder why we're in the wrong place at the wrong time, right? It's because you just try to make something happen to try to then believe you got you the act wrong, all right? Let me give you another wrong order that people get stuck on. Believe, receive, act. So what happens is God stirs our heart. We really believe that God is calling us to do something or to give something or serve somewhere or to whatever, calling on our life. But then we expect some sort of manifestation to happen first, then I'll act on that. See, I, I, I do believe God has called me to do something, but I need God to provide first. And then, of course, I'll act, right? God, you have my yes. Let me give you God's, God's order is this. believe. Act. Receive. Believe, like I believe what God is saying. And so, because I believe, the most natural thing I'm gonna do is start packing. The most natural thing I'm gonna do is start walking. The most natural thing I'm gonna do is start serving, start giving, start walking it out. Regardless of whether I have the provision or not, regardless if my circumstances are lining up with that in the natural, that is walking by faith. When we started this church, we didn't, we didn't have any resources. We didn't, have, we didn't know a single person in this area, and we just sold our houses and moved down here. We didn't have a sending church as a safety net. We didn't have any of that. I'll tell you what we did have, though. We had a word from God. And we said, well, we're gonna believe that. And so we're gonna start walking. We're gonna just start walking. And guess what happened? As we moved, as we started to, we believed, we acted, you guys showed up, <laughs> Stuff started happening, right? Because that's how God works. And so we, sometimes we've got to get our act in the right place. Now, this last thing I want to talk about is, is very similar. Because some of us right now, it's not about provision. Like, hey, I'll walk without a, 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 you know, one pair of clothes and no, no uh, money. I'll do that all day long. But I just don't feel like I'm qualified. I don't. I, somebody else has got to be doing I don't have the qualifications. And this may sound cliche, but it is so true. And it's this, number four. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. If you think you got to be all qualified and all this stuff before you can start moving out into the things of God, you will never start moving. Because God generally calls us to something we could not do on our own, that we are not prepared for as we go. You know, another situation, a missionary that we support is actually close to me, it's actually my brother, Jake, who is in Thailand. And how having you guys know, we've got a lot of stuff going on over across, uh, across the world right now. And he had an opportunity to share about this and some of the things that God is doing in him. So let's get an update from my brother, Jake. Sawadee Kap Journey Church, or hello in English, if you prefer English.
3: Many of you know me by name, but my name is Jacob Phillips. If you don't know, I am currently in Chiang Mai, Thailand and i am one who has been sent out i'm somebody that journey church has sent out as a messenger and ambassador of christ overseas and you know the world as you know um it's becoming a more dangerous place and if you've not heard the good news of jesus christ in 2022 there's probably a reason for it you probably live somewhere where the gospel is restricted christians are persecuted or censored Somewhere like India, China, Afghanistan, Nepal. Or maybe you live somewhere that's just a hard place for missionaries to go due to wars like the war in Burma or now Ukraine. We're dealing with Ukraine. Um, Or you live somewhere that's just very dangerous on the planet and there's a high likelihood of victimization or kidnapping. Somewhere like Beirut or the southern Philippines. And my ministry is to help gospel workers prepare to answer the call on their lives and go to these areas because where there are people, where there are children of God, he is not asking us to go. He's actually already there, so he's asking us to come and to serve. And in addition to working with missionaries, uh, we also work with a lot of local believers and the local church in these dangerous environments to help support the gospel advance to our brothers and sisters in those places. Many of who these people do not have that magic blue passport that they can just get on a plane and flee when the danger comes. So what I wanted to do was share a word of encouragement to you all regarding what the local church is doing. In particular, uh, this time I want to talk about Poland and Ukraine because last week I traveled to Poland and I conducted a needs assessment regarding the refugee crossing, uh, all the refugees crossing over into Eastern Europe from Ukraine. At this point, I think we may be reaching 3 million refugees that have fled Ukraine due to the invasion, the Russian invasion, invasion, the aerial bombardment, the shelling, and the targeting of civilians in the conflict. What I did, I traveled to um, border crossings to physically get eyes on the refugees crossing over after making their dangerous journey across Ukraine. And I went to border crossings in Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, witnessing the conditions on the ground, interviewing aid workers, and Ukraine families crossing over. I say families because almost in all cases, the man, the brother, the father, the son was still in Ukraine because they have been conscripted into the military. They're not allowed to leave. And what we found was that the churches in Europe, get this, guys, they have largely put aside a lot of their differences at least momentarily to work together and take care of as many refugees as they can they're volunteering to feed them Um, i watched them drop off carloads of food blankets toys medical supplies and and really all at their own expense in many many cases opening up their homes to families opening up their homes to broken families that have just been through horrific a horrific experience many of them separated from their husbands and fathers and they're still very much in danger in Ukraine. <clears throat> That's what you call hard, traumatic. Call that work. In many cases, we also call that godly obedience and love. John 1.5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. These believers are stepping up and letting God's light shine to literally millions in need. Millions. I also was put in contact with several Ukrainians. These are followers of Christ who were staying in Ukraine. Some were men who were not allowed to leave by the government. Uh, Others were women who did not wish to leave their men and wanted to stay with them in Ukraine. And the question becomes, if you are a Ukrainian and a believer in Christ, how do you let your light shine during an invasion where... Artillery fire is raining down on cities, leaving apartment buildings, train stations, airports, bridges, all in ruin. And the people I'm working with, what are they doing? They're buying buses and they're driving from relatively safe areas where the Russians haven't occupied yet into dangerous areas and doing rescue operations, picking up uh, vehicle loads of women and children. Some of these people that they're rescuing are believers, but in many cases, Uh, A lot of them have never even truly heard the gospel. And they're being, they're driving them to their church or to another safe area, keeping them overnight, then driving the rest of the way to the border uh, to safety in Eastern Europe. And while they're driving and housing them, guess what? Uh, They are sharing the gospel with them. Literally, the light shining in the darkness that John spoke about. These believers are, they're conducting rescues, um, That are conducting these rescues. i mean they're regular church-gone folks they have no special training they they never saw themselves doing this amazing but very dangerous ministry and my job right now is to give them virtual training on how to go about doing this as safely as possible while still being obedient to god and the call that he has on their life to go i mean these guys are literally leaving the 99 they're leaving safety and going after the one no doubt god has called them to this important work I believe that. I can see that when I look at them. You know, each person that is saved, it's a miracle. But it took a yes on the part of the believer for that miracle to occur. You know, these people, they were not prepared. They were not trained. um, But God um, has called them to go forward in obedience. And as they go, God's equipping them for this work. And... This is the way it is with godly obedience so many times. I mean, he often calls you before you're equipped. I've experienced that, and I'm still experiencing that. And, you know, there's story after story of this happening in the Bible also. In reality, we all, you know, we all have the same mission as believers. You, me, we're on the same mission as the believers serving under these horrific conditions, either in Ukraine or Burma or somewhere else along the world somewhere else in the world um we're supposed to be the salt in the light of the earth we're supposed to be the people that point people towards christ sometimes that means sharing in their risk and their suffering and you know we're not designed to sit on the couch we all need to start taking steps towards that work what ministry god has called us to do we need to go for we need to um Go for it with everything we have. The same God is looking for a yes uh, from us as he is from the Ukrainian believers that need to go rescue people trapped in buildings. People need to experience Jesus' love in their worst moments. You know, you're called to go forward in godly obedience to help people when they're in their worst moments. It doesn't matter where you're at on the planet. And I just want to encourage you guys in that. Brothers and sisters, I love you. I miss you. Uh, all my family misses you. And I wanted to say, I just wanted to give you guys an update on what's going on. I want to be an encouragement to you. I'll, you know, be brave, be bold. Go for what God has for you with everything you have. Thank you, guys. We love you.
0: Well, let's give it up for that report. Did you catch what he said there, though? Those people that are going back? It's as they went, they're being equipped. It's not to say we don't plan and strategize and do all it, and you should do whatever you can. But if you're waiting for for that 100% before you'll start walking, you may never get there. And even Paul experienced that. I mean, we talked about spiritual gifts. How many of you guys know the spiritual gifts are in the empowerment of God? It's something beyond our ability, right? We talked about that last week. If you missed it, go back and watch. Uh, but even Paul experienced that. Watch Acts chapter 16. Again, let's go back to Acts chapter 16, verse 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination who were, and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. So she was she was a slave Outwardly, but she was also a slave inwardly, right? I mean, she had a demonic spirit at work in her, and she followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. How many of you guys know that's a good thing to say? And it was actually accurate, right? These men are from God, and they're gonna show you the way of salvation. And she was saying the right thing. And it says, and she kept doing this for many days, and Paul, having become greatly annoyed, <laughs> I love the way it says it, Paul was greatly annoyed and he turned around and he said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Here's what I want you to see. I believe this is an example of a discerning of spirits, a gift of discerning of spirits. She was saying the right thing, but Paul knew through the gift of discernment of spirits that this was not, there was a spirit that was wrong behind this. And so even though she was saying and doing the right things, he turns around and he speaks to the spirit and commands it to come out in the name of Jesus. See God even equipped Paul beyond his ability as he went. Here's what I want you to understand. When God gets your yes, you need his power. When God gets your yes, you need his power. God is a God of miracles. He needs your yes, but when he gets your yes, you you need his power. God didn't create you for the sidelines. He created you for the front lines. Now, you might be wondering, where's the front lines? Is the front lines in Africa? Is the front lines the stage? Is the front lines, you know, in Ukraine right now? Where are the front lines? If God wants me there, where are they? And I'm going to tell you where the front lines are. The front lines are not a certain place. They're not a certain activity. They're not a certain ministry. They're not a certain visibility. They're not a certain level. They're not a certain stage to be on. Here's where the front lines are the front lines are wherever God has called you. Where has God called you? And here's what I want you to hear. Please hear me. Your front line is just as important, just as significant, just as necessary. As any other front line on the planet. Do not make the mistake of looking to the left or to the right. Do not make the mistake of comparing front lines. Do not make the mistake of entertaining something and creating a culture in your heart that somehow says that is the front line, but what God has called me to is not the front line. That's more important than what I'm doing. No. Your front line is the most important assignment that you could ever do. If you try to do something else, it will not work. It will not be right. It will not be as significant. It will not be empowered in the same way by God because God has called you to an important work. And it doesn't matter if it's going across the world or if your job is to go into a business this week and to be faithful where God has placed you. What I'm saying is wherever God has called you, lock in fully to your front line lean in fully to your front line do not entertain something that says that your calling or your front line is somehow less than because that is a trick of the enemy to get you off course it's a trick of the enemy to get you to not do anything it's a trick of the enemy to get you to glorify something else and someone else's calling and neglect your own calling It's a a trick of the enemy to try to get you on a detour outside of God's plan for your life to try to chase something that God never put in front of you. Your front line is important. Here's what I want you to understand. Matthew chapter 28, as the worship team comes back. Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20 very famous passage of scripture go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that i commanded you and behold i am with you always to the end of the age that is what we call the great commission and here's what i want you to hear today the great commission is for every single believer And I don't know where God has placed you or what assignment he has placed in front of you. But what I'm trying to get you to do today, and the whole point of this message is just to get you moving towards your front line. To get you to lock in fully to your front line. To find joy in the little details of your front line because that's where God has placed you. Do not forfeit what God has placed in front of you. Do not belittle what God, this is like a prophetic word for somebody, okay? I really believe that. Do not belittle what God has placed in front of you. It's the most important thing for you to do is to walk that out. You're not less than if you don't move somewhere across the world, but at the same time, you are still called to fully activate and to go into your world wherever that is. Now, he may call you somewhere, what I'm simply imploring you to do is whatever that is, seek God and lock and load fully into that because that's God's place for you. God needs your yes. Would we all stand up right now and we're gonna just pray a very simple prayer. It's a very simple prayer. It's a prayer that others have prayed before. It's in scripture. And here's the prayer. Here I am, Lord. Lord. Send me. He may send you into the grocery store. He may send you into your prayer closet. He may send you on a mission trip. He may send you into your school. He may send you into the marketplace, into a business this week. I don't know where God is sending you. But every single one of us can pray this prayer with our whole heart. And say, God, you might even just say it out loud right there where you're at. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. I am not going to shrink back. I am not going to, if you ask me to step out and to pray for something, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to act and I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe. I'm going to act and then I'm going to receive your provision and your empowerment and your equipping. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here we are, Lord, send us. Here we are, send us. Would you just get a picture right now of what it looks like for you to be fully engaged in the calling that God has for your life? Listen, you may not, I'm not telling you you have to know it. I'm just saying, what would it look like if you could just use your spiritual imagination for just a second, if you had 10 times the amount of faith you have right now? What would your life look like? And it doesn't have to look like some dramatic thing. I'm simply imploring us to lock into what God has placed in us. One of the most beautiful things in scripture is something called faithfulness. And somebody needs to hear this today. Your faithfulness on your front line is a beautiful thing before God. do not step out of the faithfulness of your front line to chase after something dramatic lock in don't shrink back from something that requires faith just to sit on the couch either seriously pray that prayer here I am God send me and when we do that we open up our hand we open up our life And we say, God, my whole life is yours. Let's make that our prayer today as we worship and respond.